0: Welcome back to Mecha's podcast, miendo, y Comiviendo, a podcast series where we talk about topics from culture, politics, to self-care, and other topics we find interesting from the Latinas college students' point of view. Continuing with social distancing guidelines, we are still recording remotely, so we're going to go around and introduce ourselves. My name is Janice Carrasco. I'm the former political action chair for Mecha de Wu. I also have other lovely Mecha execs with me, Hello,
1: my
2: name is Fatima Morenda nandez I'm the Public Relations
0: Officer.
1: Hi, everyone. I am Jenny Avidadara, and I am the RASA Outreach Coordinator.
0: Okay. On today's podcast, we will be talking about how we stay in touch with our roots and culture while navigating predominantly white spaces. To start off, we have some quick updates for y'all.
1: The Supreme Court is still deciding what actions are going to be taken with DACA. It can be decided from now until summer. So if we know a DACA recipient slash streamer, please support them and ask how they are doing. You can drop your ballots in the drop-off boxes up until May 19th.
0: The views, opinions, and comments expressed here are those of the students themselves as individuals and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the institution and students of color as a whole. All opinions or contexts expressed by the podcasters are of their own opinion and are not intended to marginalize any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. As students of color, we are faced with many struggles beyond the normal barriers. Some of us are low income or first-generation college students, but also experience less welcoming attitudes based on our differences, just as culture or skin color. Our intersectionalities are a beautiful thing we should embrace, but it is also difficult to do when you are navigating an institution that was never built for you. So a question I have for y'all are, what are your identities and what do they mean to you?
1: For me, my identity, is like a big part of me because I'm just very proud of like my culture. I am someone like I identify as a Latina or Mexican-American and that's something I don't hide. Like it's like I'm very proud of that. I love being bilingual. I love being like a Latina of color. I mean (laughs) I love being a woman of color and I feel I that's something I think about all the time how if I didn't have that identity I feel like my life would be so much more dull like yeah I don't but there's no other way to really describe I'm just very proud of that
2: also my identities I identify as like a Latina a Latina and Mexican American even though I am a doctor student usually people don't really consider me a Mexican American but I consider myself that because I was raised here in the U.S. and I have like a lot of I guess like the culture here really influenced who I am also and um, but also being Mexican is also a huge part of who I am as well like I grew up with things that other people didn't in some spaces and so I think I see myself as both equally in a way but I embrace each each side of myself and I think it's very important to do that.
0: Yeah, I love how y'all talk about having a lot of pride in the identities you identify with. I also acknowledge what Fatima said about like, considering yourself Mexican-American, even though like people wouldn't identify you as that, mm-hmm. because... You know, like, have you ever seen a Selena Quintanilla movie where the dad's like, you have to be more Mexican than the Mexicans are more American. I feel like even if you're a DACA recipient, you still have to go through that. You know, Mexicans will judge you for not having perfect grammar. And then, like, American people will judge you for not also having perfect grammar. So it's like double standard. Yeah, you have to, like, go through as, like, somebody of color and all that. I also think it's important to acknowledge that within the Latinas community, it's not because we all identify as Mexican within this podcast right now. Um, but it's also, like, it's not just one color, one size fits all, you know? Like, there's Afro-Latinos and there's Caribbean um, Latinos and pe- um, Indigenous people who don't identify with Latinx um, community because, you know, it's white. It's whitewashing their, like, indigenity or Indigenous culture. And, like, you know, there's, like, a lot of, like, more people that need to be seen within the Latinx community and not being seen. That's know? very true
2: because I know a lot of people also... Um, Usually people say, oh, you're Latino, you're Mexican. Uh, I think it's just because it's been very influenced in the media how, like, there's, like, a lot of Latinos here and then they, like, immediately assume that, oh, it's Mexicans that are here. So it's, like you said, Denise, it's also very important to, like, acknowledge. I feel that Latino people are really interesting because we are, like, all, like, different colors and different countries, I mean. So it's no, there's no like a certain image for being a Latino or Latinx.
1: Yeah, I agree too. It's just, like, we got to acknowledge our, our institution, Western Oregon University is a predominantly white institution and the people who fall in the Latinx community uh, were like the biggest minority group in the school. Most of those fall under the category of like Mexican Americans or just Mexicans. But there's other groups of people there that sometimes are kind of forgotten i feel which isn't fair like so it's really important to always be aware of that and appreciate that that there's like different kinds of people but just like where we live in like in oregon as a state the, the biggest community of like the minority group happens to be mexicans
0: so jenny you brought up an institution and you brought up western oregon university so um another question i have for y'all is like when was the time where you Being a student of color affected the way you were treated or have you ever experienced a microaggression on or off campus?
1: For me, I don't really, I haven't really experienced a lot of like mistreatment or I haven't felt like I guess oppressed for my identity and something that I do want to talk about and that is just like kind of an important topic too is I understand that I have, I have privilege with my color, with my color of skin because I am a I, I am a Latina and I am a Mexican but I'm the light-skinned on the spectrum so I can how do I say it
0: like white passing yeah I can
1: pass for white and I feel like that's something that that's like really important too because some of my even though I can have the same identity as like like someone who also is my who like we have the same ethnicity we can have different experiences based off our color of skin like for instance I have two brothers and we like, you know, we have that we grew up in the same places. We went to the same schools. We have the same parents, but my brothers are darker than me. So they're going to have different experiences than I will ever have. So I feel like that's something that I feel like that's been a big part of why I haven't felt like I haven't. Been, I feel That's why I feel like I haven't been affected in the way I've been treated. And like with a microaggression, like uh, what a microaggression is, is the way I understand it. And that helps me is so that how they're kind of like mosquito bites. like yeah, you get, you know, one mosquito bite, it's like, oh, whatever, you know, it's kind of annoying, but like, you pass it, uh, you can brush it off. And then once you get like more, and then when you get attacked by mosquito bites, it's really annoying, and you feel it all over your skin, and it keeps bugging you. And so it's, that's kind of what a microaggression is. Like sometimes people say things without really meaning to hurt your feelings or trying to get under your skin. But those microaggressions can add up, and it can really affect how you feel, and ends up being like a big. Um, it's just it just it just impacts a lot of people, and like for me, the microaggressions that I've experienced have just been basically about how I look, in the sense as a Mexican. Sometimes I've had other people in my community who have kind of like put down my experiences or have. I guess, I don't know, just have kind of, like, talked about my color skin and how I look really white to them, blah, 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 like, right in front of me, and, like, I, yeah, it's kind of funny, or I know, like, I know I'm white, and I know I'm pale, but, you know, when key people keep mentioning that and keep talking about that, like, right in front of me, it gets kind of annoying, and it makes me sometimes feel that my experiences aren't valid because of,
0: I'm um, white-passing yeah it can become like an invalidation of your experience right yeah and your identity mm-hmm, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. um do you wanna add anything, fatima?
2: Yeah, well, I can talk about um my personal experiences as a student of color um I don't think I really experienced anything at Wu personally or that I can think of right now, but outside of of school um usually. It's, like, little things, like you say, like, microaggressions mentioned before. Um, when I'm, like, at stores or something, usually, like, I remember this one time that I was returning a piece of an item that I had to, re- yeah, an item, and then, like, the person in front of me was, like, an old white guy, <laughs> and he, like, just returned it, like, really fast, like, without even a receipt, but when I was next, like, they, like, had to look at the receipt and look up at everything, if I actually bought it or anything and make sure that my credit card was the one that I bought it or something like that. And it just kind of made me really mad. I was like, how come like this other person like left like really fast? Like I was also in a hurry. So it just got me mad. But also this other time as well as when I was driving, I think it was last summer and I was, I, I felt like I was, this is a, a weird story, but I felt that I was being, wallowed or something and it was like this kind of police car and I think it was because like I don't know in my mind I was like driving and I kind of stopped in the place and for me it was like a personal attack of like who I was a citizen of color because they could clearly see me like my windows were like down I felt like I interpreted it as that and I kind of parked somewhere and then they left but those are like kind of like the two experiences I had or like that affected the way i was treated
0: well thanks for sharing your stories i kind of want to add a little bit because i experience a lot of microaggressions and like discrimination within wu and with within other institutions of education which you know like these institutions were never built for us but then they're also claiming and like to support us and they also claim and want us when it's beneficial to them right So like growing up, I was in advanced classes and I think Fatima knows this story (laughs) because I like it gets to me. I was in advanced class and there was this teacher and she was like students of color, like minorities were taking like these white kids spots education system and like basically invalidating our experience and saying that the only reason we're there, it's not because we're smart and we deserve to be there, but it's because we are, you know, we're taking that spot from a white person and then like basically she was like telling white people how they need to like care about their education because like we're taking it away from them when it's like pinning us against each other and it was not true you know like that was one of the first times i remember like experiencing some you know like blatant racism comment within my educational experience Mm -hmm. but like even now at western like yes we are like you know we claim to be like so progressive and so open-minded and like oh my gosh we use pronouns which is great don't get me wrong but it's like we we could be doing so much more you know like i like this is off like this is often a complaint i have like i'm a transfer student so i'm from portland state university and then i transferred to western and a huge shift that i saw in my perspective was at psu i never had to tell students why it was not important to care about racism and why it was important to speak out. If anything, it was like more difficult for me as a student, like being able to experience, um, being able to express my own experiences. Because you know, all my allies wanted to speak up, and you know, it was like more difficult claiming space that way. But at Woo, it's more difficult because I have to explain why racism is still a thing, and I have to explain like why these things matter. Whereas, like, imagine how much we can get done if we didn't have to. Ex- we didn't have to always explain like that racism is still alive you know imagine everything we could get done if we didn't and then like one like a huge microaggression I always experience at Western (laughs) is like when people find out I have scholarships they invalidate it and say oh it's because you're Mexican or like even like someone and I don't I don't think they meant in the wrong well they it came out in the wrong way but like it's a microaggression like Like people it is a microaggression oh my god because like they were like they found out I had a scholarship and it was within the hall, rate right? And like, it you're supposed mm-hmm. to feel safe in a, like a place you live. Yeah. And I would get multiple comments that were like, oh, it's because you're Mexican or I wish I was more Mexican so I could get scholarships. And it's like, First of all, it doesn't work like that, you know, like and those things like like Jenny said, like, you know, those add up and, it, mm-hmm. and it, it can affect you in the long run. Like it doesn't affect you for a little bit. But then afterwards, like, you know, the mosquito bites Jenny talked about, like they get to you. Like the fact that I still remember my teacher telling me in advanced classes, like you're taking a white kid's spot. Like, you know, that still hurts. And I still always have to be proving myself like you're not taking someone's spot. You deserve this, you know.
1: Like, yeah. sorry I feel like I'm venting right now no no my jaw literally dropped dropped I know y'all can't see me but I'm so shook and I'm an ed major so <laughs> I couldn't imagine I don't know a lot of the classes I'm taking you know are talking about how we should like respect love and like acknowledge all our students experiences and all these things so I'm just it really confuses me how an educator can really take a job like that and be putting certain groups of students down so that really pisses me off like that's so real and so hurtful to say and I am so sorry that you had to experience that and that it still gets to you and you have to keep proving yourself wrong and proving your like your community wrong and how you're latina like on fire and you're that's so mean like I'm so pissed that's so mean oh my gosh yeah and I feel
2: like for me personally I that's the reason why I also want to become an educator because I want to let those people know that those people who like want to be in those advanced classes that they can do it even though they're like people of color or anything like that like they don't have to prove themselves and like for me it's so weird too because like I I think I'm so used to these kind of like microaggressions because I just remember that I also had like an experience like that, that I was like trying to get into like one of my um, advanced classes or IB classes. And my, my counselor was like, Oh, I think that's too much for you. Like you already have so much in your plate. Like you don't need it. And I was like, no, I can do it if I want to, like doesn't matter. But I feel like they just wanted to like fill that space with only like white people, I feel. And like people who were like, like want to be there and like stuff so like for me I had a similar experience and it's like crazy that I don't even think about it anymore and like I'm like accepting of that
1: you're so used to it okay. uh, it's like nothing to you now
2: yeah like I'm used to it, like I don't even think about it anymore yeah
1: like, and that's, my so that's really sad
0: that reminds me of like Michelle Obama's have y'all seen it <laughs> Michelle Obama's documentary her I counselor told Michelle Obama that She wasn't good enough for Princeton. Like, she legit told her that. And that's, like, Michelle Obama, you know? That's crazy, like, not being seen as good enough just because of your color of your skin. Like, that's crazy. That's horrible. Yeah. And then people, like you said, Denise,
2: like, if you do get in, then they just, like, invalidate you, like, say, oh, you just got in because you're Hispanic or Black or anything like that. So it's just, like, it's just a constant battle between, like, yourself and your identity.
1: Yeah, and that's that's not true because, I mean, look at all the, like, I'm pretty sure all the universities in Oregon are predominantly white institutions, so that doesn't, that wouldn't even make sense, like, people in our groups, like, students, minority students have been, these these institutions weren't built for us. The scholarships is, uh, like, encouraging more minorities and people, students of color to go to university.
0: Yeah, like the way I look at it, it's like adversity and like the struggle are like my motivators, because I have to see it that way, right? Because, but imagine if I didn't have that, like, if we didn't have those struggles, we could like be doing a lot more, right? Yeah. But we have to like take, st- take it and see the positive out of everything. And that kind of sucks sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of leading into this topic that we're kind of already talking about, but going back towards y'all, like. Has it been difficult being a student of color and accommodating to college life?
1: For me, it has, but in different ways. So, like I said, I feel, like at Western, I've always felt, like, respected and validated. I haven't had any experiences where I have felt uncomfortable or unsafe. But my things just come, my, like, issues and the things that have been difficult for me is just my background because I am a woman of color but I'm also a low-income student and I'm a first-gen student and my my issues with that just come from like my communication with my family. It's very hard for me to be able to talk about my experiences here at university and making like, and my parents being aware of what I'm doing and going on and what classes I'm taking and explaining all those things is very difficult for me because, you know, my, sper- my parents immigrated here when they were, like, in their 20s and they didn't have a lot of education when they were in Mexico. So they're, like, they had very little education in their, in their, like, home country. So them coming to a new country and, like, having a whole different, different educational system, there's so much that they don't know and it's very hard for me to communicate that with them. So that's something I always kind of battle with and I'm trying to get better at because I'm very blessed and fortunate that my parents like support me and they want to know about my education. But like it's always I'm kind of impatient sometimes with explaining like all these little things that I'm doing and because it kind of takes a little bit more because I have to learn how to translate things and explain things since they have limited English
0: yeah and as a first generation college student I'm like also assuming you probably had to like file all your fafsa and like all your applications and stuff mostly on your own,
1: yeah, right? yeah, so it definitely was harder to be where I'm at today, like versus I guess that's something I think I have like a little sh- fun little story um, I think it was freshman year um when I moved into the dorms, one of my roommates she is someone who. Like, you know, she's not a first-gen student. Um, She is white. And she's just been really fortunate with, you know, her background. And her mom did her FAFSA. She never looked at FAFSA. Her mom applied for her to go to Western. Her mom registered for her classes for, like, what she was taking. And it was so crazy because that was the first time I realized, I'm like, wow. Like, I really worked and really, like, I really worked hard to be where I'm at today. Because I, I did a lot. Of, I mean, I I got a lot of support from when I was in high school, like my senior year. And I'm so blessed for that. But like, there's so many things I did to be where I'm at. And I, it took me, and I didn't realize that until I moved to, until I came to Western. And I, people were talking about their experience. And I'm like, whoa, I'm like, that's so, I was like, I can't believe someone else did all these things for you when you're here.
0: Yeah, I read that a lot. Like a lot of people, just like oh my mom did this and then like oh that's great yeah I don't have that you're lucky <laughs> I, yeah I think I saw a tweet about it too something like your mom writes your essays for you I added my parents emails we're not the same <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so true that's so true
0: do I say mine? yeah,
2: yeah okay <laughs> um yeah well I certainly relate to a lot what has Jennifer has said or Jenny has said um, I'm also a first generation student and um, I just remember like in high school uh, I had a lot of support just like Jenny also uh, but at the same time I had to do a lot of things by myself and like I remember like doing my um, what's it, ORSA all by myself and like not knowing what to put in and I had to like asked my parents for help, but they didn't even know what certain numbers meant or what certain things meant. So I was just, like, so overwhelmed and so, like, just angry, like, that this wasn't working out. But I guess because it wasn't, like, we mentioned before, built for me. But, um, like, it was just very hard to just, like, go to college. And, like, when I finally just went there, um, I had to do everything by myself, you know? I had to, like, register for my classes. I had to find out, like how I'm going to pay for college or how I'm I like, going to, like, uh, what do I have to do to, to, like, pay and, like, do housing and everything related to that. All I had to do by myself. And, like, for me, it's crazy that, like you mentioned before, like, parents do that for some other kids. Like, that's so, for me, that's so, like, I haven't heard that story before, so I, this is for me, like, it's the first time. But also because I'm like the first person in my family to go to college. Like my, I have a brother also, but they're younger. He's younger than me. Uh, but I also heard like a lot of like kids who have like older older um, sisters or brothers that they usually help them as well. So I also want to become a resource to my brother when as I go to college. And um, as like a student of color, also um, adjusting to like college life at first like when going to college I felt like weird because in my high school it was like there was a lot of like Latinx and Hispanic people there like I felt like happy there but when I came to Western I feel like it's very predominantly like white even though like there is like a lot of Hispanic people or Latinx people it's very white also and I remember like going into my classes it was, like, one of the first times I felt, like, uncomfortable sometimes because there was a, there was just, like, too much white people for me. I don't know. Like, I was one of the only Latinx people or Latina people in my classroom. And, like, I sometimes, like, felt intimidated for some reason. Like, I didn't want to speak up because of, like, I felt like I was going to be judged. I don't know. So, like, that was, like, something that I also have to accommodate in my college life.
0: Do you think the reason you also didn't speak up is because, like, you're kind of held at, a, like, a double standard? So, like, uh, as a student of color, if you say something that's, like, seen as worse, like, makes sense? Like, you're put in the pressure of, like, you're representing your community when really, like, you're your own individual? Yeah, like,
2: yeah, like, sometimes you feel like you don't want to, like, say something wrong and then, like, affect my own community. Like, oh, and then they're going to view my whole. Own own community badly so like it does like i see that perspective too and it shouldn't be that way but
0: okay so the next question i have for y'all is there a support system for students of color in your college and if not or what if yes what else could your university do to help students of color
1: yeah western has a student enrichment program and the qualifications are if you're a student of color if you're a student with disabilities, and if you're uh, a student with like a financial need, and that being a part of that program, you'll automatically get a student enrichment advisor. And that's someone that you would meet with twice a term. So you would have your academic advisor and your SCP advisor. They also have a lot of resources for us. Um, We can, like they have books that we can borrow they have like some technology stuff that students could borrow. I haven't really looked in too deeply in those things, but I had a friend like one term who they had a book available, and instead of her buying it, she was able to like rent it, check it out for the term, which is really cool. I did uh I did summer bridge, which is basically for incoming like either transfer students or first year students, and it's a summer pro- it's a summer program I guess. It's like a week before new student week. So for the time students would start and you kind of, it's about 40 students who fall in that student enrichment program categories who like get that extra support and are like on campus a week earlier and you get to meet people beforehand. And I, like when I did it, I really appreciated that because when I actually started during the student week, I already knew a lot of things on campus. I got familiar with campus and like for once I actually felt that I was like a step ahead from people because I was already getting familiar with Moodle and I really appreciated that experience. I know Western does care about like having more diversity in the school and I'm like, I know they're working towards becoming a Hispanic serving institution, um, but I guess they have to be at 25% for like Latinos. and. Of Latinos or Hispanics to be able to have that um I know like they, they're they really big on they have like the diversity scholarship and bilingual teacher scholarship and they have like a few scholarships like for students like they offer to students who are you know students of color to try to get them with come. but I feel that I don't know if I'm supposed to I can say this or if I can get in trouble If I'm just saying sometimes I feel like they took nice students of color Cause they're like, they really want to make it seem like the school's diverse and they really want to work towards, you know, making the school look all colorful with people, I guess.
0: You know, now that you bring that up, like, have y'all noticed how sometimes you get emails from like a certain institute, like group and they're like, hey, Western's looking for students of color to be in their commercials. Like, have y'all got those emails? Um Cause I,
1: have. I I don't know if I have. That's weird. I think I have ones, but not that much. I mean, sometimes when I get those, I don't make them. So that might be it. But that's, no, that's hella weird. That's. Yeah, and I feel
0: like it's something a lot of other colleges. Yeah, I know. Because
1: they don't want people to look like people who don't feel that they, you know, having diversity is seen as a good thing. Right? Like, when yeah, that and that's what they want. And no one wants to see like the campaigning and the papers like of all like in pictures of students like all be white because if you're not in that category, you're gonna see that and think that reflects on the school. But it can be off-putting when they do do that, and it's all like it looks all diverse and all those things. And then when you actually go to the school, you're like, what? Like, what did I sign up for? So I feel like that's a big thing. But I mean. We can look at that in a positive way or in a negative way, in that where, you know, students of color can be feel, like, tokenized because they want more into diversity or actually appreciate the, how they value diversity. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: yeah it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then it also, like, I don't know if this is bad, but thinking of it in a cynical way, it's because it brings them money, right? So, if, like, they're Hispanic-serving institution. They're going to get, like, a tax benefit. And then also, like, I don't know, like looking at all these type of things, like if you can't help but not to feel tokenized. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Oh my gosh, it's getting hot. <laughs> we're getting into the tea of things. It really is. So, I don't think they're listening. And if they do, we're this is our experiences, and we're not lying. These are yes. This is real. This is like real shit. Like it's real. Real talk. Yeah. But I mean, I'm I'm sure that's that's really important too. How sometimes I feel I feel that a lot of us, like people who are in our communities, really have to push and advocate for the things that we're passionate about and like extra resources that we feel that we're deserving of. And that gets tiring. Like being that person and being in that group to always advocate for yourself and your group of people, and if you're passionate about it, but even if you're passionate about it, that can get really tiring. nothing is being done and nothing is being changed
0: yeah it like can lead to like huge burnout
1: yeah i bet that must be really hard
0: the question of what else could your university do to help students of color so um i think it's very healthy to look at where you're going you, you know the institution you're at and like don't get me wrong like i really appreciate all wu has done for me and like the support i've received on their behalf and then like just being able to, um, increase my skills as a student leader, like, I haven't had that in other opportunities, like, um, you know, I've been able to be a part of, to be a student government, and, like, it's really important for an institution to make sure their students are being, you know, seen and being heard, but I also think, you know, going back to, like, I think it's important to ask for students to advocate for themselves, and, you know, ask the institution what they think is needed. And something that I've seen in universities, OSU, and UOVO, um, is that they have a multicultural center or a center for their students of color to come and gather and just, like, create that space, you know? And then in UOVO, they have, like, office spaces where it's for their for their clubs, such as, like, Mecha and, like, Unidos and you know, clubs that advocate for students of color, minority, or underrepresented groups having their own space, which they don't have. And that's something I was working with um, Monica um, Ortiz, the vice president of ASU, and we were trying to push for a cultural diversity center. But it's also something that you know Western alumni have been fighting for for a while. And it's like really important to like push for these type of things and these resources for our students. And I just wanted to bring that up as in, like, what's something else your institution could do for you?
1: I had never thought about that, like, about not having a multicultural center. Because I've definitely visited, like, Portland State University. And they have, uh, like, they have those centers for the minority groups and, like, different groups of people. So it's something that, you know, I'm not used to that because... I don't know what it is to have that space for myself so that's really interesting because now that you've said it like I totally understand how that would be really fun and like really cool to have that and have that extra space to like just another resource so that's really interesting because I had never thought about that before
0: yeah it's very important for like students to not only feel like they're being you know listened to but that they're being seen and I feel like that space could um show that especially you know we were talking about like being tokenized and like you know i think a great way for like woo to be like hey we're not like just tokenizing you we actually do value you is like creating that space and visibility and uh, Mm that for the cultural diversity center to be made so going back to your identities um have you ever felt your identity was like invalidated i know jenny talked about it a little bit but, like, for example, have you ever been told, like, you're not, like, Latino enough, you were kind of whitewashed, or, like, um, or so, or were you purposely, like, not identifying as, like, Latinx? I think
1: that, I think that's just an inner battle that I have with myself. Like, I think I just have a lot of, sometimes I'll doubt, I'll, I'll doubt myself and be, like, am I representing my community the way I should be? Am I doing enough for them? While also just being really careful with the things I do say and how I talk about my experiences to not be generalizing my group of people. So that's just something, that's like a battle I always have within myself. Like, am I doing a good enough job of representing my community or if I'm doing things the quote-unquote right way because there's no right way to be doing these things.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, I've always felt... um, Like, a lot of people have have told me that I'm, like, whitewashed ever since I was, like, young. And now I'm not, it's not that, I feel like it's not that big. But growing up, you know, like, you're trying to find who you are and your identity. And, like, a lot of people, like, will say, like, oh, Fatima, you're, like, whitewashed. Because I will dye my hair, like, blonde or um, I wouldn't listen to, like, Spanish music. Or like growing up, I think I would like hang out a lot with more white people I feel like in my class, I was in a dual language um, program, and like there was a lot of like Hispanic people and like people Spanish speaking people who were like from um, Latin America and um, I will usually hang out with only the like the white people there who spoke Spanish, but I think it was because like I felt more comfortable with them. But at the same time people will be like oh you're just like whitewashed like you only like talk to those white people like you're the only Mexican that does that and everything so like growing up like a lot of people have told me that and like it kind of like affected who I am like I would not see myself as a Mexican like I would just see like myself as a white person and sometimes it's hard to find like that balance of like who you are like of like embracing your like Mexican side but also embracing like you are here like growing up here in America so like my whole life I've been told that and I think now like I'm starting to embrace it more because I think when I was younger I didn't as much but now I'm truly trying to like discover myself more and it has been better
1: yeah no I I want to add on that Fatima like that's really important and I feel to just always work on who you are and what makes you happy and just be prideful of who you are as a person and not letting, you know, what people say, like, what people have to say about you affect you. And I feel like that's just in every aspect of life. Like, I feel like that's always hard when people are talking about you or speaking for you. Um, something that I forgot to mention, too, is that I am always kind of, like, I'm bilingual. But I feel like I suck at Spanish and English. And I know a lot of people who are bilingual can relate because, you know, my first language is Spanish. And I grew up speaking English in school, but then my English got stronger. And it's just kind of a thing how, even though Spanish is my first language, my English is stronger. And even then, my English, yeah. like people who only speak English, for instance, I feel that their English is better than mine because I feel that they have more, I guess, like more, more like vocabulary words and they're more descriptive with what mm-hmm. they speak and I'm like, dang, and I, like, something, what I wanted to, like, reason why I say that is because my my major is education with a, for middle and high school students with a concentration in language arts, and when I started at Western, I was going to do elementary education, and I had, I always kind of wanted to do middle, high school, like, language arts, but I felt that I wasn't, I guess, good enough to do that. I was just really scared because I'm like, I suck at, like, I really speak English, so why can not I? Like, what am I gonna be doing? Like, what, what, why would I do that? But I think you know, I was just very, I was like putting myself down and not yeah. like I was just doubting what, like, what I can do. And you know, mm-hmm. i I just kind of was like, I really had to think and, and like just kind of encourage myself and say, you're passionate about something, just do it. Like, you're gonna be and your yeah. other students who we, like I just think about my future students all the time and I'm like your students who can relate to you and who are bilingual are gonna see you and they're gonna be more proud and they're gonna be oh she can do this like I can I don't know like I don't know if that's making sense, yeah. but
2: yeah I can really relate to you Jenny because I'm also studying to become an educator so like I also like I I want to become like the teacher like I wish I had And, like, while growing up, um, like, someone who looks like me and also speaks another language. And I can also, like, relate to what you say about, like, not knowing, like, both languages, English and Spanish. Because I think, like, growing up, also, like, I was really bad grammatically in English. Like, I cannot spell, like, not spell, but, like, put this good grammar in my sentences or in my, like, paragraphs. So I always felt, like, I wasn't good in one thing or another, like, it was just, like, I was terrible at both, and, like, it kind of made me feel, like, what? like, who am I, you know, like, what language do I speak, you know, so, like, I can totally, like, relate to what you said, and, like, how other people have, like, a wide range of vocabulary, like, that intimidates me sometimes, they're, like, they know, like, such, like, big words, <laughs> yeah, big words, and I'm, like, and they speak up in class, and they're, like, saying all these things, and I'm, like, what? Like how how what does that mean? Like what does and like I always wanted to be that person, but like
1: can never. Yeah. I guess that was part of me too of being really intimidated mm-hmm. to be like a language arts concentration because I am gonna be teaching literature and like English. And that's great. Yeah. I, I still I it scares me still, but mm-hmm. I'm just encouraging myself and I know. I feel like that's just I, a lot of students maybe like students of color first-gen students and low-income students like I think there's always a lot of doubt in a lot of those areas what yeah. we can do so I don't want I don't want to hold myself back from doing things because of my like quote-unquote barrier but I wouldn't I, don't, I wouldn't say being bilingual is a barrier like to me it's a blessing and I'm really grateful for it yeah. but I just want to show other my future like I think about my future students now I'm just like I just want to encourage them and for them to know that they have like the potential to do whatever they can despite their background.
0: I love how you are all like, trying to go like above and like not let those like small step backs or things that you you know Jenny like said like being told that they were barriers bring you back but also trying to motivate the next generation and I can tell both of you are going to be like great educators
1: thank you denise
0: thank you
1: denise
0: i think like since we're talking about like whitewash and all that it's kind of important to talk Mm -hmm. about how like you know like as we mentioned before like not all latinx people are like one size one color one fits all like just because you don't know spanish or just because your english isn't perfect it doesn't make you any less like i think i agree with both of y'all like my spanish like sometimes i'm really hard on myself because like my Spanish is sometimes off, and sometimes I'm, like, self-conscious about it. But I feel like Hispanics are like, oh, you're not, let, you know, or like Latinx enough if you don't know Spanish. But, like, we shouldn't be invalidating other people's experiences because, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you were being told, like, this whole assimilation yeah. thing, but then you're being told you're not, you have to stay true to your roots. So it's, like, very double-sided, and yeah. it's really hard to navigate.
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: like speaking
2: languages doesn't speaking whichever language does not like make identify you as Latinx. Like you can speak English and still be a Latino or Latina, Uh and you can look a certain way and still be a Latino or Latina. So I understand that, Denise. I feel you.
1: I feel you too. Like to mm-hmm. the T, I'm I'm really hurt. I am I'm kind of insecure sometimes of like my Spanish because I'm like, oh, I need to be perfect. That's my native language, but you know, I'm not practicing my Spanish as often as I am with my English, and that's you know, you know, that's inevitable since I'm in school in the US and I'm in a you know, I'm in higher education, so
2: yeah, yeah. Like, I you can I feel like you have a lot of experience with the Denny, but when I did my when I was a MEC student, I uh, had a friend from Panama and she. Whenever we spoke Spanish, she would always correct me every single time. And I'll I'll feel very, like, bad because I don't know how, like, to say a certain word or I said a certain word bad. And she would just, like, she would, like, encourage me, like, correct me, but in, like, a friendly way. But, like, it was still kind of, like, heartbreaking. No, I feel you. I have
1: friends who correct me when I was in Puerto Rico, too, because I did NSC in Puerto Rico. And then people would, like, are, like, oh, it's actually this. And I'm, like, okay, cool. I'm like, i going to try to memorize that and keep going with the flow.
0: So what are some ways you stay to true roots? I guess for myself,
1: I, I like told my, I've always kind of been this way. I'm just, I'm always going to be proud of who I am. Um, my experiences, I guess, you know, they are barriers. A lot of the, a lot of aspects of my life have been barriers, but I am so grateful for that. And I wouldn't want it any other way because it really has humbled me. again, I say that in the way of like, I respect everyone's experiences. I love everyone for their experiences. And I'm not gonna put down any people because of their experiences. Even if like people, like more privileged people, not privileged. Because, you know, we can't control our own experiences. So for me, it's just, I feel that my experiences have made me, like, so much stronger. I have learned to advocate for myself. I have learned a lot of hard work. And I wouldn't change that for the world.
2: Yeah, I, I see Jenny's point, And I can relate because I think at the end of the day, I just have to accept just who I am, you know? Like, sometimes, like, I say, like, oh, am I, like, Mexican enough? Or am I, like, American enough? Or am I this enough or that? But at the end of the day, like, I just have to accept who I am. Like, I am who I am and, like, whatever aspects that I have is me. So, like, I should just embrace that and just not forget, like, where I came from and, like, who I want to be in the future. So that's how I, like, stay true to my roots.
0: Have y'all ever had to, like, code switch?
1: Coach what
0: does that mean no you haven't heard I catch myself doing that a lot and then I feel bad so it's basically like is it the the way you talk between a certain group oh, changes yeah. when you talk to another group so like sometimes I find myself when I talk to like people who are like you know speak Spanish and English like I, I'll speak Spanglish and I won't like really care about it but then when I speak to like predominantly like white communities for some reason I feel like I have to like up my vocabulary and I have to like you know be more like I don't know if that makes sense. And then when I'm, like, talking to, like, my friends, like, I'm, like, neutral and I'll, like, and I'll say, like, bro, like, and those type of things, no?
1: I,
2: I experience that. I don't know if that against you.
1: Um, for me, I guess I have, but I do, I don't know. I guess I've ne- I have never, ever thought about that. Mm. Yeah,
2: I mean, for me, like, I think I realized like a while back that I usually speak when I'm speaking like to like a white person. I usually do, like, speak very like slow and like in a low tone and like very like polite. I feel like I'm very like yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, like your white that. voice. So whenever I'm, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like whenever I'm t- like I know like somebody who like speaks Spanish or like is Latinx. I don't know, a person of color, too. Usually, I'm, like, very, like, outgoing, I feel. Like, I'm, like, um, more, like, on the louder side. I don't know. And I also, like, like Jenny said, like, um, do Spanglish as well. And just, like, my whole vocabulary changes. Like, I'm more, like, uh, like, abundant, like, outgoing, I feel.
1: That's something that I've unconsciously, like, unconsciously have been doing, like, working on without co switching men. Like, I think when I was, I used to always say, like, Jennifer Avila Lara to people, but now I don't care. I'm like, Jenny Avila Lara, like, and I'll spell it out for them, but I'm not going to say it in a white way because that's not how my name is. (laughs) And I, and that's something that, like, I noticed I did in high school. And then once I came to, like, you know, once I came to Western, I, I'm like, I need to work on it, like, work on your name because you don't, you don't have to change your name for other people
2: for me, like, I, my name is not even that hard, like, it's Fatima, like, Fatima, I used to always say, like, to people, Fatima, and I think I still do, just because, like, it's something I'm so used to, I feel, and something that a lot of people can, like, say and, like, understand, like, whenever I'm getting, like, coffee or something, I always say, oh, my name's Fatima, because, like, in that way, like, they understand, and they don't go, like, uh because sometimes, you know, it gets tiring, like, Mm -hmm. to keep repeating your name and like spell it out when you just say Fatima it's like so much easier to understand than saying Fatima or stuff like that because if you say it Fatima it sounds oh it sounds like exotic it sounds another language or something like that so like for me it's like just tiring and I say Fatima but then like Fatima also like is good and I'm trying to like say it more
1: like Fatima yeah and I guess for me that's something I don't really have to think about because my what I guess would be harder for people to pronounce my last name but my first name is pretty easy in both languages it's like you know Jennifer Yenifed Jenny Yenny so it's not it's not very difficult for either groups of my community
2: yeah and also like my name also has like an accent um which I never used to put like I used to always say Fatima like that but now I think I'm putting more because I feel like it's it should be part of the name, you know, like, it's, it's just part of it. And like, I should like embrace it. Yeah.
0: I think I still struggle with that. So my real like first name is Xochitl. It's not Denise. And I always tell people, oh, my name is Xochitl. Or if it's easier for you, call me Denise, which is my middle name. And like, most people are like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I'll just stick with Denise or but they'll compliment my first name. But then I also changed the way I say my first name. So like for them, for it to be easier for them, instead of being like, oh, so I'll be like, oh, so chill. So it's easier for them to spell and stuff. And I still do that with my last name too. Like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's Carrasco. And I don't roll my R's. Like, I get so disappointed in myself. Like, it's Carrasco. It's not Carrasco. But like, you know, and I'm <laughs> still like stri- trying to work on all of that. But yeah. And I think it goes back to, like, the double consciousness thing about, like, you know, like, like subconsciously thinking about, like, how you act with one community versus how you act with another community. Like, it's really weird, but it's one thing, like, only people of color, like, understand. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, like, sometimes I say my name is Fatima to somebody who, like, speaks Spanish. They're like, oh, Fatima. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) So, like, they, like, switch it for me, like, and I kind of forget like i came so used to saying like fatima that i forget that there's a way of saying fatima too so but for um but i think for you denise like it's okay if you just want to be like denise like you don't have to like keep saying oh my first name is so chill but you can call me denise like whatever you feel comfortable with is i think it's okay for you
0: yeah and I guess it was just, like, it's a thing. It gets to me because the reason I changed my name is because it was hard for the, like, dominant community to, like, say it right. But now it's just the name I go by. Mm-hmm. So it sounds weird when people call me by my first name, but it still gets to me because I'm, like, wow, I really <laughs> changed my name for, like, other people to know how to pronounce it better, if that makes any does, sense.
1: Does your family call you Sochi or Denise?
0: They call me by my nickname, which is based off of my first name.
1: You have a lot of names.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Too much identities, (laughs) y'all.
2: Too much struggling to
0: choose. What are are some other ways y'all stay true to your roots besides, like, just, like, the vocabulary and, like, pronunciations of things?
1: I don't know. I feel like that's something, like, I always just tell people. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm Mexican. Like, and that's not necessarily saying true. Like, I feel like, you know, you can tell someone something about your identity. I feel like I've never really had to feel like I was battling. I've never battled, like, being connected to my culture. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel that I often don't know, like, what my history is, I feel. Because usually in, like, schools, um, they don't teach about, like, you know, like, Mexicans or like Latinx people um so like it's kind of like I don't know who I am in that way or like about my history so I think a way to uh, stay true to myself is true to my roots um it's like I research about like or like I ask like my parents about like my history about who I am or like my grandparents also like about like where I'm from and like what kind of like um culture is it and everything so that's that's I guess like one way I stay true to myself like I kind of want to like not forget about it and like um and keep like reminding me like that I have also that identity and I should embrace it
0: I love that and I used to do that too when I was like in the, like elementary school I would rent like um because my parents were really busy so i couldn't really ask them like usually my aunt was the one taking care of us and she would take us to the library and i would like okay. rent out like mexican-american books and stuff like that like just <laughs> trying to like grasp my identity like oh i want to identify like help me identify with the books like it was really weird but yeah is there like yeah, any traditions your like, family does like
1: my family still does like yeah of reyes magos um
0: uh-huh.
1: Yeah. yeah, like we'll do a Like, I think it just kind of depends. Like, this year I wasn't able to participate because it was like the first day of school, January 6th, mm-hmm. or like winter term. Yeah. So that's when it falls, and we'll do like a And then we'll do like tamales on the day if you get the baby, tamales on February yeah. 2nd. So we'll do that. But I don't know. This is yeah. just, it just depends on the years because, you know, like we don't. And, like, if we were in Mexico, we would have those days off always, probably. And that's the same yeah. thing with, like, via yeah, los and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. I feel like, at least for, like, some things that my family, like, we, like, I think food is a big part of, like, traditional things. Like, I realized that, like, a lot of people don't know what cocido is. Do you all know No, I is?
1: never heard of that. No, I don't.
2: See like, for me, it's weird because like it's for me, it's like a, a basic dish. It's like um, it's like caldo de pollo kind of, but we call it cocido and we add like more ingredients to it. So I realize that whenever I tell that to somebody, they're like don't know what it is, and I think that's just like part, like just yeah. a name they like put where I'm from or something. So it's really interesting to me just to see that, you know?
0: Yeah, I think that's something I love about well, like, I the, like the Latinx culture, the food. It's very diverse, too, you know? Like, some people don't like spicy food, and some people love spicy food. And, like, there's, like, you know, like, with one ingredient, like, the platanos, you can make a whole bunch of different type of um, ways to eat it. Like, even rice. Like, some of us, like, like rice this way. Some of us like rice the sweet way. Like, it's just really cool to see how, like, different adaptations of everything.
2: Yeah. And I think just because, like, Latinos in general are also diverse, add so much to different plates. So it's like, there's something for everybody, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love, I love our, my culture so much. The food's so good. What's your favorite yes. food? Go. That's hard. <laughs> like whenever it's ever like, what's your favorite food? I just say Mexican food. That's really hard for me to just... Well, what did my go? My top like three would be like tamales, caldo de albondigas, and maybe probably like tostadas de tinga or something. Yeah, but, um, or pa oh, mole and enchiladas, too. <laughs> so, it's very hard for me to choose that.
2: You know, like, this kind of reminded me of something that can relate to what we're talking about. But, like, sometimes I would bring una torta de frijoles, or how to say that in English? Bean torta, um, to, to school, and people would judge me. I, I would you for
1: that. Because of it. hmm I wouldn't judge you for that. I
2: respect that, Fatima. Because I'll, like, be enjoying it. And they're like, what are you eating? And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." whatever. But Mexican food's so good. It really is. So
0: (laughs) thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast and listening what we like about our culture and just, like, our experiences as um, students of colors in higher education so that concluded the end of our episode. Make sure to follow us on
2: Instagram and like our Facebook page at Mecha if you haven't already, where we keep you updated on all the latest stuff from our chapter. That is M-E-C-H-A-D-E-W-O-U. Mecha
0: Thanks for listening to Chismando y Comiendo. Before we go, show some love by leaving us a review wherever you get your podcast, sharing this episode with your friends and subscribing on your favorite podcast platform then stay tuned for next following weeks for more episodes stay safe everyone and take care of one another by practicing social distancing yep that's still a thing and check (laughs) in on your loved ones (laughs) this was denise this was this is jenny bye bye everyone